AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. All right, the grain markets continue to sort out big picture issues, but the day-to-day price action seems to be lacking direction or a catalyst to fuel the next trending move. The cattle complex found some support from slight losses in corn and lean hogs, failed on an early attempt to reverse yesterday's sharp losses. Live from Tech Support Tuesday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. <laughs> this afternoon, we're joined by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Right after the news with Michelle Rook, we'll chat with Varsity Joe Vaklavik of Standard Grain. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Joe, thank you very much. Yeah, this technology is great stuff until it doesn't work exactly like it's supposed to, right? Well, I was going to say, and now the host of AgriTalk by minor miracle, Jim <laughs> Yeah, here we are. We are live and on the air. Good job getting us done and getting us on the air this afternoon. Uh, looking forward to the conversation with Jim McCormick. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to AgriTalk. We've got a lot of ground to cover in these markets this afternoon. You know what? Based on the way that the markets traded, I, I normally wouldn't say that. But then I look at some of the things that Jim wants to talk about on this afternoon's show. And yeah, we do have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm looking forward to covering issues regarding China. Uh, let's talk about South American uh, uh, production. Let's talk about hedging not only the 23 crop, but what about that 24 crop? And of course, what happens if we see the rail situation just kind of fade away? What happens uh, to the grain markets at that point? All right. Michelle Rook is in for Davis Michelson this week. Michelle, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, these markets just kind of lacking direction here today, weren't they? Yeah, very much so. It looked like they were looking for news. But remember, it's also end of the month. Yeah. Sometimes yes. you get weird moves when we have end yes. of the month. So. That, that is exactly right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Good point. All right, what you got in the news? Well, wheat futures opened steady in your session lows, tried to rally, and fell back to close near the opening range. March SRW futures posted an inside trading day with a low-range close. March HRW futures closed below support at yesterday's low to post the lowest settlement since September 6th. Now, March spring wheat futures also closed below yesterday's low. Trading funds continue to build a short position in wheat futures, I think the lowest in like three and a half years in today's price action will keep speculators on the short side of that market. March HRW wheat futures, eight cents lower on the day at 8.87. SRW wheat on the March contract was three quarters of a cent higher at 7.81 and a half in March spring wheat closed at 9.34 and a half down five and a quarter cents. Yeah, and that final crop condition report of the year that we were supposed to get yesterday afternoon is going to, yeah, delayed until this afternoon. So the HRW market will be taking a look at that. That's right. March corn futures opened lower, rallied to trade through resistance at yesterday's high, and then sat back to close near the opening range. 
For the short-term, traders seem to be focused on dry weather in Argentina and China's purchases of Brazilian corn. Now, longer-term, Mexico's motivation to ban imports of GMO corn is being questioned by the Biden administration. And Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack yesterday warned Mexican officials of potential retaliation under the USMCA if the country goes forward with their plans. March corn futures were one and three quarters cents lower at 669 and a half July corn at 662 and three quarters down one and three quarter cents. You know, Michelle, if Mexico does go forward with this, they've, they, it seems like they would have to make some sort of an exception for animal feed, that they would continue to import Absolutely. GMOs for animal feed. I can't believe they would go forward any other way. Right. It seems unrealistic to think otherwise. So Yes. Uh, January beans, they opened lower tested support at 1450 and then rallied to within a half cent of the November high before falling back to close mid-range. Bean mail futures posted an inside trading day with a high range open and a low range close, and that made it tough for the bean market to move higher. Bean oil futures were mixed even with the crude oil market more than a dollar per barrel higher. Now, generally good soybean crop condition ratings in Brazil and the potential for more rain in key areas later this week put a cap on today's bean price gains. January beans, two and a quarter cents higher at 14.59 and a half. The July contract was 14.78 and a quarter, up a nickel on the day. You know, the, uh, the the product markets right now, you've got that soybean meal market that was under pressure. Bean oil tried to rally. I think I saw the Malaysian palm oil was up like 2% yeah, in the I overnight trade. Yeah, I would have thought that that would have helped out the soybean oil market a little bit more than what it did today. Well, but and crude oil was also up, so. Yeah, yeah. So it just felt like kind of a, you know, lackluster kind of go nowhere day. In yeah, there. maybe a little meal oil spread unwinding because you mm -hmm. would have thought meal would have been up with Argentina still dry. So mm -hmm. didn't exactly. make sense. Yes. Uh, March cotton, incidentally, was 166 higher today at 8061. And over in the meat sector, a choice box beef prices traded higher on Monday than turned lower. Now that drained some of the early session buying interest in the live cattle futures. So we closed off the highs with Feb Live Cattle 12 and a half cents higher at 154.80. January feeders, they were up one and a quarter and a half to close at 178 even. And after Monday's price plunge in the lean hog, futures attempted to post a recovery rally but failed. The low-range close keeps bears in control of the hog market. Heading into the midweek, February hogs were 60 cents lower at 84.15. And that yeah. is a look at your markets. All right, Michelle, stick around here because, you know, it, it, it feels like this lean hog market. Uh, the downside momentum that we've got going in there, what was today? I think today was like the fifth consecutive lower close in the hog market it and it's just one of those situations in this in a market right now that it's going to continue to go lower until it doesn't yeah uh, we are in the <laughs> middle of our trading range though on the feb hog so we'll see how much more liquidation we get here yeah yeah no doubt about it no doubt and then the cash cattle market we keep looking for the strength in there. And then we get days like we had yesterday in the box beef market with the choice down. Or with, wait, excuse me. The choice was up yesterday. This morning, the choice was down. Looked like movement improved a little bit this morning as well. It, but that give and take in the beef market isn't doing anything to, to give the cattle market any direct, direction at all. 
Well, I think we'll see if we get another week of higher cash trade. We've had eight weeks higher, and I thought that would be a more of a push for the market here last week in the live cattle futures. And we eked out a few contract highs and then kind of fell off the last three days until today. So yep. hard yep. to... Hard to see where we're going to go there, but I think long-term, boy, as tight as supplies are, that market looks like it's going to be good. Everybody comes back to that in this cattle market, uh, the, the longer-term trend in the supplies, and I think that's – well, I keep doing that too. That's where you got to go and, and trying to figure out where it's going. Who would you talk to today for your market reports? Uh, Brad Coima with Coima Coima Varlick. Uh, nice. We talked about this cattle market. He's still a big bull, he thinks, so. with the big slaughters that we've had here. Obviously, the Packers must be making some money. And he's really bullish long-term into 2023 where we hit the marketing holes. So, yeah. Yeah. Thinks maybe All 174. Right. Well, you know, you got to think all-time highs in here, the way that this market is set up. You've, it's at least got to be in your thought process. Michelle, thank you so much. You Appreciate you. All right. That is Michelle Rook. Okay. Coming up next, agmarket.net. Jim McCormick is up next right here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Big Apple Joe, just to let you know, uh, I am pushing all kinds of buttons like I would normally be pushing, even though I know that I don't have to push those buttons to get me on the air. I'm still pushing all the buttons. Oh, muscle memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's don't no fight doubt it. about it. Yeah, don't fight it. I have right. to fight it, though, because, like, you have got your little chip button over here that I is useless today. Yeah. So I've got you on the other side of the board. But it's not as bad gotcha. as this morning, which could have been a real disaster. <laughs> well, we are up and running. I'm just glad that you got us doing that. So, okay. Let's get to today's guest analyst, Jim McCormick, agmarket.net. Jim, it's good to talk with you again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Chip. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. How are things doing for you? 
Well, we're doing all right. A little bit of a cloudy day, a little rainy day over here. It sounds like we might be getting some snow before the uh, before the sun goes down. So it's, you know, hey, what the heck? It's November 29th, and it kind of feels like it out there right now. Well, we're here in Chicago are at about 55 degrees, so we're about 12 hours in front of that snow. So uh, my wife's telling me I need to go out and hang out Christmas lights uh, tonight before it gets cold, but... Uh, <laughs> We'll see. Oh, geez. It gets dark so soon. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That'd probably be a good idea for me to get that done, too. We've got this Christmas celebrations coming right up on us. So, yeah. Yeah. At least get old Frosty out or something like that. So Exactly. Okay. All right. So focus on today for just a couple of minutes, Joe. Or Joe, Jim, before we, we move on. Uh, what did you make of today's trade? It, any messages sent or received from these markets? I think the message I got was uh, happy holidays. It feels like we're yeah. moving into a holiday trade really, really quick. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of days like this with a few days of intermingled volatility trading on maybe headlines out of China, South America situation. But then we're just going to get hours, if not days, of just kind of mind-lumbingly grinding type of trade. <laughs> hey, don't sugarcoat it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Tell me what you really think. Uh, and it's like Michelle Rook, the point that she made in the last segment. Today's the 29th. We've got the 30th. Tomorrow is is the last day of the month. There's some weird stuff that can happen um, at, at the end of the month, especially when we've got positions, the specs, the well, the large specs, changing up their positioning. They've been lighting, lightening their load on the long side of the corn market, and they've been building a short position in wheat. Um, I don't know. Do we see that influence trade going into midweek or not? I think a little bit, but in general, I think what you're going to see, Chip, the funds are just winding down the trade for the year. As they get into the first, second week of December, they tend to like really just get positioned where they want to be. So their, uh, you know, their investors kind of know where they sit tax wise. The investors don't want a big shock of a big movement in the last two weeks of the year where they find out either they made money or lost money because a lot of people right now are making adjustments, uh, you know, for tax purposes, plain and simple. So uh, the volume really tries to die, tends to die down this time of year. But that also can, like I said, lead to kind of days and hours of volatility because you have not the money, you know, the volume's dialed down, 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 down. And then all of a sudden you get a weird trade, commercial trade that might spook the market yeah. one way or another. So uh, if you're a producer out there, these are reasons why we tell you to put those wish orders in there because uh, strange things do happen uh, this time of year. You know, and watch it on the other side too. Tell me if you agree with this. If we do see the volume come out of the market, we do see the volatility come out of the market. Might there be some opportunities between now and the end of the year to put in some risk management strategies that can put a floor in place or capture basis and keep price, uh, keep your price potential open, you know, with a sell and replace kind of strategy, if those options are cheap enough? Well, there's no doubt about it. And actually, we had some customers do that today. The reality is you're okay. still getting at a customer today get offered $7 cash corn for delivery right yeah. now, this time of year. And I'm like, why not take the $7 corn? Because you're looking at corn. He's got $7 corn. He came out and looked at July corn trading at $662. There's not a lot of carry in the market. It's actually inverted market. He said, I'm going to sell that cash grain. I'm going to buy an option strategy in case this weather stays dry. He is in the Western Corn Belt where we know it's very, very dry. But the reality is he chose to take the bird in the hand because 
there is a lot of problems in our world right now. We've got a war going on in Europe. We've got the Fed not done raising interest rates right now. We have the Saudis, it looks like, doing everything they can to keep crude oil above $80. Every time we get down near 80, the Saudis talk about cutting production to drive that price back up. You get people talking 100 $110 crude oil, maybe in 2023. Those are all negative drags on the economy. So we're going to encourage producers to, hey, if it's profitable, don't be afraid to lock in that profit and then use the options as a what-if type of situation for re-ownership. Yeah. Okay. A um, couple of things that I want to f- focus on there that you just said. That $7 number, it's just kind of a magic number, isn't it? I, it, it, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter in the cash market what the futures market is doing. But if, if, if a producer calls an end user and says, listen, if you can give me 7 bucks, I can do this. Or if an end user calls a producer and says, I'm offering 7 bucks, it seems like a little bit of corn is going to trade hands. It does. I'm not sure what it is. It's that round number, but there's no doubt about it. It seems like when you talk to producers, when they get offered at seven or a shade over seven, they take it. And I'm encouraging people to take that money. I mean, you look at where you are, especially if you're in little Eastern corn, but where we've had some phenomenal corn yields, you're looking at some record type of profits right now. And I think you need to book it, Chip, because I'm a little bit leery about what's going to happen. I mean, if you look historically in the corn cycle and or just the marketing mm-hmm. cycle in general, we tend to have these phenomenally great years followed up by average years and then followed up the last year where you're essentially in the red. And that could be what develops this year. We had phenomenal pricing this year. Next year is going to be, a little, I think you break evens are there, but it's going to be a little bit tough because the input costs are so expensive. But if we have a good crop this summer and then Brazil has followed up with a good crop and we have, mm-hmm. we're in a recession, you know, the odds are very, very high that we're going to be essentially negative cash flow going into 2024. So producers need to be looking at marketing, not just this year's crop, but next year's crop, but maybe even a little 2024, just because of the profits there. We think you need to lock some of it in. You know, Jim, I think the last time that we talked, uh, we, we, kind of, we went down this path as well. Don't, when, when we talk about the, that we need two good crops to fix the balance sheet, don't think that it's two good U.S. crops in a row. It can be a good Brazilian corn crop followed by a good U.S. corn crop, and that kind of fixes that global balance sheet, at least at least for the short term, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It heals up. Same thing with beans. Brazil right now, their crop looks very good on the beans. We'll see what their corn crop does because it's a safrina crop. But, you know, they're talking 150 million metric ton bean crop in Brazil. So Brazil has this monster bean crop. We follow up with a decent bean crop. The world supply is going to probably be enough to at least not justify $14, $15 beans. That's how you got to look at it. So if you're a producer, Chip, I think you got to look at it and say, I can't afford to be wrong because if Brazil you know, has a good crop, we're halfway to a bear market. We follow up, we're in a bear market, no doubt about it, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. It seems to, you mentioned crude oil earlier as well. It seems like the crude oil market just rejected trade under 75 bucks. Is that is is that because the market knows that the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, is going to have to be refilled at some point? Well, I think that's part of it. I mean, they realize the Biden administration has said, you know, you get that prices below 70. That's when the Biden administration says they're going to start coming back into the market to support it. They're not so supportive. So you start refilling it. So I think yeah. that's given an underlying support. But I think just look at what's going on with the Saudis. 
and the rest of OPEC, plain and simple, they like this $80 to $100 crude oil. And every time we get down there, it's interesting. We start getting reports out of Saudi Arabia talking <laughs> about cutting production. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. It's amazing how yesterday morning we came in and the market was all negative about these uh, protests in China due to the COVID and you know that civil unrest. What was that going to do to the world's economy? And Lo and behold, within two hours, we get this report that, hey, the Saudis are talking about cutting production at next week's OPEC meeting. It's just funny how that works all the time. So I think yeah. it's a combination of U.S. buying as well as Saudis saying they like this $80, $90, $100 crude. That's actually chip what they need to sustain their economy. Because remember, a lot of their economy is all driven on selling crude oil. Crude oil, baby. Yep. If, if they're not selling it at the, if they're not selling enough of it at, the price that they need, they're going to make changes on their output to, uh, to, to, to get their balance sheets squared up there as well. Okay. Jim, we've, we've gotten a good start here and we've talked a little bit about that 23 and 24 marketings. Now, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that because you know, the risk of getting into a negative return situation or, you know, a, a, a loss situation on that 24 crop is something that that we need to keep in mind as we go forward with our marketing. And I want to talk a little bit more about China. And as long as we're talking about the cash corn market, we should talk about what's going on with the rail situation as well. We're talking with Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, right here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. It's time for news of note from Pro Farmer. Pro Farmer crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier says weather and early growing conditions in Argentina remain problematic. As a result, he cut 1 million metric tons of Argentine corn from his crop estimate, which now stands at 49 million metric tons. He also cut a million tons from his Argentine soybean crop estimate, which also stands at 49 million metric tons. As of November 29th, officials say Ukraine farmers have seeded 4.5 million hectares to winter grains. That's about 94% of expected area, down from 6.4 million last year. The Kazakhstan prime minister says his country has no immediate plans to reduce tariffs on the rail transport of Russian grain through his country, so no specific agreements have been reached. That's Pro Farmer's news of note. Give Pro Farmer a try at tryprofarmer.com. 
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. Davis has got the week off. He'll be back with us next week. We are in the middle of a conversation with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Before we get back to Jim, I'll go ahead and recap where the markets closed. March HRW wheat futures, eight cents lower at 887. March SRW wheat up three quarters of a cent to 781 and one half. March corn futures were one and three quarter cents lower at 669 and a half. July corn closed at 662 and three quarters down one and three quarter cents. January soybeans, two and a quarter cents higher, 14.59 and a half. July beans closed at 14.78 and a quarter. That was up a nickel on the day. March cotton was 166 points higher at 80.61. February cattle, 12 and a half cents higher at 154.80. January feeders, up 112 and a half to close at 178 even. And February lean hog futures, 60 cents lower at 84.15. Jim McCormick is with agmarket.net. He is our guest analyst today. Jim, so I'm looking over the notes on what we were, you know, what, what to talk about here in this next segment. And there's China. And trying to keep track of the uh, of of the changes and the dynamic situation that is in China and what it might mean for U.S. demand going for, forward is just I, I mean it's it's unbelievably difficult to do. It it feels impossible, Chip, because I mean the reality is it changes from hour to hour, day to day. You know, so how I try to encourage people to look at it is, you know, instead of trying to read headline to headline, look at the overall economic view. The reality is this. They've got COVID. It's expanding. We know people are actually protesting about it. But the reality is the government's going to push back on that chip, in my opinion. If the government feels like if, if the public feels like they're protesting bent the government, the dictatorship to their will, the dictatorship loses all control. So I think you're going to see a lot of pushback on it. The other thing, the reality is they're very fearful of opening up too quick, letting COVID wreak havoc in their countryside. Remember, they have four essentially um, intensive care beds per 100,000 population. So if they really had a bad outbreak, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to see people die. And that is, it's the optics that the Chinese are worried about. Probably not the death, but it's the optics. So I think they're going to continue to slow walk opening it up. But the other thing I'm really concerned about in the China relationship is with the United States. Remember, we started a trade war with them a couple of years ago. We're still with that war. But the Biden administration's ratcheted that up here about a month ago when they blocked the sale of chips and chip technology to the Chinese. The Chinese are not happy about that chip, but they really haven't pushed back like a lot of people thought they would. Well, my fear is as that Brazilian crop gets closer to being in the quote unquote bin, Hmm. I fear you're going to see a lot of our demand shift away to China. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if you get that dreaded cancellation headline multiple times as a way that they try to punish us for essentially not allowing them to buy our chip technology. So I think there is a real risk, political risk, economic risk 
of China taking it out on the bean market. So I think producers need to be leery of that. You know, when you look at the way that China made the decision on importing Brazilian corn, it's a decision that they put off and they put off and they put off and they put off. But once they decided that it was going to become reality, it was like a snap your fingers and it happened. Uh, that would fit with your theory there, Jim, because they may be planning to use corn imports as part of a retaliation or punishment uh, on the U.S. for their actions on the on the computer chips as well. Exactly. And they're just and I think they're just buying their time. They don't want to. The last thing I think they want to do, people say, why? Why did they buy beans here just earlier this week? Well, they they they're buying that time. Remember, they you know, how many times have we seen them cancel bean purchases over the years? So it's not on the realm for them to do it again, unfortunately. So I think there is a legit risk depending on how South America weather goes. But if for some reason South America crop stumbles and it's not there, then the Chinese really, you know, I think their plan of moving away from us, it's got to be put off a little bit. So uh, time will tell, but I think you got to be a little bit leery if you're holding beans, beans in the bin, or as well as thinking about marketing the 2023 beans. I think there is some downward risk with what the Chinese could do to our market. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about this South American situation. Uh, at the bottom of the hour there in the news of note from Pearl Farmer, we had uh, Dr. Michael Cordonier's latest estimates out of Argentina, down a million tons on corn and soybeans. Both of those Argentine crop estimates at 49 million metric tons. But <laughs> Jim, like you said in your notes, it, it's basically when we lose a bushel out of Argentina, it feels like we're picking it up in Brazil. Exactly. And I think that's kind of why the market's not reacting to the South America crop shrinking at this point in time. The beans chip, remember, the Chinese don't buy meal, they buy beans. Brazil is going to take that bean market. Where that smaller Argentina soy production could translate to is a lack of meal onto the international market. And that may be supported to the U.S. domestic demand as the, as the crushers continue to feed the world's meal. And it could be a little bit more friendly corn, but yeah, right now, but you know, if you look at it, the kind of acreage in the weather potential for Brazil, it could offset the lost production. So, uh, you know, you, you could got to be cognizant of what's going on. These two countries are definitely going to have an impact on our prices yeah. down the line. Yeah. Is, is the Brazilian bean crop every bit as good as what they say it is? Because that, it, some of those dry conditions down in the Southern production areas have got me a little concerned. Well, right now, I think you got to go with what they're at. But you know what I mean? What we've tend to find historically is the crop gets big. It gets bigger, 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 bigger. Then all of a sudden it falls back. Just like when it got smaller in years past, the, everyone kind of kept low. It was like a race to the bottom, see how bullish I could get on the crop. And then it snapped back. So right now, it may not be the 150 million metric ton that people are pricing in. But you got to say, in general, it looks like a pretty good price. If I'm a producer right now, I do not think I'm going to hold off beans from selling beans because I believe the Brazilian crop's going to falter. I think you got to hedge your bet and say, at this point, it looks like in general, they're getting the weather they need to produce the crop the world needs. Okay. Very good. Very good. I'll I'll admit I might have dropped out there just a little bit, but uh, I feel like I'm back. Can you hear me, Jim? I can hear you. Okay, good. Woo. My whole system just looks a little bit different than what it probably should right now. It's got me throwing <laughs> just just a little bit. Sorry about that. Okay. No problem. You're good. Okay, great. So China buys beans. They don't buy meal. That is true at this time. Can that change going forward as we ramp up our 
our uh, crush capacity here in the U.S., or is that going to be a big problem for us in the future? I think the Chinese will buy meal if it's cheap enough. They like to buy the you know they like to buy the beans, and, you know, take advantage of buying the product and then essentially transforming it to meal and oil to generate that economic income in China. But the reality is, we're going to ramp up our production dramatically of meal as we ramp up for this biofuels over the next couple of years which I think is going to be very good because essentially I think we're going to lose demand, export bean demand to the Brazilians because China's trying to get away from dealing with the U.S. And the biodiesel, renewable diesel is going to fill that void. So I think that's going to keep our supply, our demand, overall demand situation a little bit you know, steady. But yeah, that excess meal supply, I wouldn't be surprised to see China or other people come in to try to buy it. And that is probably something a little bit worrisome for the Argentinians, because yeah. we're probably going to start competing a little bit more for that international market. The U.S. dollar is going to have a big impact on it. But yeah, I would expect China, they will take a deal when they get their hand, when they have the opportunity, plain and simple. Eh, Argentina to compete, Jim. They'll just adjust their peso to make it competitive around the world. They will, but sometimes it doesn't always work. Look what happened earlier this year. They did that special soy peso, and they what producers dumped like twelve million metric tons of beans onto the market. Three or four went to China. The West went to the rest went to the crush industry. They offered that new soy peso again here on Friday. From what I understand, Chip, not a lot of producers are selling, jumping huh. in and selling the beans they've got. I think they're a little bit leery of getting too aggressive till they know what this year's crop is. So gotcha. at this point, they may not be, like I said, they're doing it to generate tax revenue, but right now they're a little bit disappointed with the, uh, the sales at the moment. Okay. All right. So we talked a little bit ago about it and reached all the way out to a conversation about that 24 crop. You've hinted at what to do with 23 crop a little bit. What does that conversation with your client sound like right now when you're thinking about doing some risk management on 23 crop? Well, right now in general, what we're looking at is looking at just most of the customers for two things. Some guys are getting a very good cash price. And I've had customers essentially look at locking in a good cash price especially guys that get the bonuses for like white corn or food grade corn, and then doing like a vertical call spread, a seven, $8 vertical call spread in case the weather's dry. Other producers are looking at more of an option strategy where they're putting a floor under the market near $6 and selling a call above the market to try to finance it, to bracket it, because we know the input costs are going to be insane this year. Maybe the hot, this may be the most expensive crop we've ever produced on, you know, on input cost wise. The producers can't afford to let this market slide. The Fed's more likely to raise interest rates here later on this month. The economy slows down. All of a sudden, this market can break. I always try to point to producers as to what we need to watch. And you get too bulled up. Look at that cotton market. That cotton market was phenomenally <laughs> bull market. And then one day, it seemed like the world decided we don't done. need cotton anymore. And it was no. done. And down it went. And Could that happen in the grain market? You never know. That's why we're saying now's a great time in the kind of the slow time in the winter time, look at that balance sheet. More likely you could be shocked at the profits. You can still lock in. Don't be afraid to lock them in. That's our, that's our recommendation. Man, I don't want to use cotton as a guide for anything that might happen in corn and soybeans, because uh, what a, an awful price performance we've seen in there since putting that high in earlier this year. That was tough to watch. So nope, no hey, doubt about it. Jim, happy holidays, buddy. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you for having me on and happy holidays to you and your listeners. All right. That's Jim McCormick, agmarket.net. I'm going to be back to wrap up this afternoon's AgriTalk here in a moment.
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. So this morning we had Brett Waltz from BAMFWX.com back on AgriTalk to give us an update on the weather and to give us an idea of of just how severe these storms might be in the southern part of the country as we make our way through the day. And I can tell you this, uh, looking at the radar, we've got tornado warnings in far eastern Texas, in northern Louisiana, in southern central and northern Mississippi. And we've got severe thunderstorm warnings now firing up in northern Alabama and They've the the line of storms has made its way into western Tennessee and western Kentucky, so making its way up the Ohio River Valley and and, and pushing further to the east in the Gulf states. Just be be very very aware of what is going on down there because this uh, this weather is red hot, no doubt about it. Michelle Rook is back with us, Michelle. Uh, you talk to Jim quite often in your in your market updates, right? What'd you make of that conversation with him? Oh, Jim is always so insightful. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I think that his whole take on China, the fact that he says that we're basically still in a trade war with them, I think is very interesting. So mm-hmm. um, going forward, China, South America, everybody wants to know where the market is going long term. And I said, tell me what's going to happen with the war in Russia, what China is going to do and how big the crop's going to be in South America. And I can tell you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Give me a few more facts and we can start to figure out where things are going to be going going forward. Well, we've had so many um, black swans, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Jim it, right now is one of it is one of the analysts that that we talk to regularly here on AgriTalk as well that is most willing to talk about the potential for a bearish market coming out of 23 and into 24 and it, it was the second time in a row that that Jim was on that he emphasized early on in the conversation we keep talking about needing two good crops in a row to fix the balance sheets well that's not two good US crops in a row give us a good South American crop follow it up with a good Brazilian or good uh, U.S. crop, corn and soybeans. 
And it goes a long ways towards fixing the, the balance sheet on a global basis and just makes it that much more difficult to move this market higher. Oh, yeah. So. Um, yeah. And he's at 150 on Brazil, and certainly there's some speculation. It could be 154, 155, and maybe yeah. that'll make up for what Argentina doesn't have because of their drought. But $7 corn. I had a producer call mm -hmm. me over the weekend that wanted to know if he should sell corn at $7. And I said, why are you asking me this question? This is a no-brainer, you know, mm -hmm. but everybody... Of course, he's in a deficit area where the basis level is obviously widened out and is as strong as it's ever been. And that seems to be enticing a lot of producers into thinking, mm, maybe I should just wait for the basis to get even a little bit stronger. So, you know, Yeah. but yeah. Jim's point about starting to prepare for 23, and if you can lock in some of those prices with those really high inputs we're going to have, you know, I just think if you have $7 corn, how how can you not make some money there, even with high inputs? Yeah. But I'm not yeah, a farmer. Yeah, I, so. I hear you. I, I, no, I hear you on that, Michelle. And and the the thing is, we've, we've, when I say we, I shouldn't say we, there are some in the risk management area, business, that have we all grew tired of the sell and replace strategy for a period of time and just said, listen, there are times when it's okay to just make a sale. You don't have to replace it every time you make a sale. I feel like we're back into that period of time that if you do make that cash sale, whether it be on 22, 23, or maybe even 24, that if you're going to make that cash sale and lock it in in, in cash, you probably should be at least considering some kind of a strategy that is going to reopen your upside price potential, whether it be, you know, some sort of a future spread, uh, a call spread, or just a flat out long call position, something that will keep you in the game in case one of those black swans is price supportive rather than a negative on the market going forward. Yeah, and we can't predict them. We've already had more black swans. Every time I do a market presentation, I'm like, uh, let's see, how many black swans are we on now? You know, these are supposed to be one in 100, one in 50-year events, and we've had just a pile of them. So mm -hmm. trying to predict mm -hmm. it and the volatility in the markets, it's always very difficult to know what to do. And sometimes I guess it paralyzes producers, and I don't blame them. It's, right. it's emotional. Right. Good point. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, interesting little bit of that conversation that we had with Jim about the potential changes to the global soy market and soy product market in the future with the crush capacity that is coming online over the next couple of years here in the U.S. It, Jim's flat out right when he said, listen, yeah, China will buy U.S. meal if it's cheap enough. <laughs> right. And it could get to be at that level. That's why United Soybean Board, USAC, a lot of these uh, state soybean groups are out looking for meal markets in the export market. It's either that or they got to feed it to livestock because they know we're going to have more meal than oil. Yeah. Yeah. It, the the one team approach that we see from the American Soybean Association, from the National Corn Growers Association, from the beef producers. I mean, it's it's it all fits now into the idea that 
value added may be our best option in exporting some of those soybean products going future it, it go into the future if if this renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel market comes around like many of us think it will and i think it will the investment's in place and ready to go so yeah all right all right michelle we'll talk to you again tomorrow okay. thank you so much talk to you then. all right you bet uh tomorrow morning we've got senator chuck grassley from iowa and we're going to have a cattleman's farmer forum with casey from nebraska and brett from wyoming and tomorrow afternoon randy martinson from martinson ag will be right here have a great day everybody be safe out there keep an eye on the weather this is agritalk